Just Another Ordinary Case. Chapter 1. The Eternal Optimist. London, 1883. William Wellington was not a happy man. There were multiple reasons for his discomfort, and he didn't hesitate to grumble them out, one by one, to his companion, who was sitting across from him in their tiny rowboat as it bobbed up and down on the waves of the North Sea. At least he hoped that's where they were. In actuality, he had absolutely no clue. I did not ken why I let her talk me into these things. He took a deep breath. It'll be an open shut case, William, William squeaked in a high falsetto, causing his companion to wince. Ralph King Millabank, Millabrink, whatever the dratted man's name is, is seeking a family descendant. It's easy money. He switched to his own brogue as he held up a finger to the clear blue sky. Now that was my first mistake. Nothing is ever easy with that woman, especially not any cases she needs help with. It was supposed to be my day off. I was supposed to get my beard trimmed. William absently rubbed at his scruffy cheeks, his companion's dark brown eyes watching him sympathetically. I know, I, I look a right fright, don't I? William thought sadly of the warm towel and the bergamot and thyme-scented shaving cream that should have, at that moment, been on his face and not a mere daydream in his head. Where was I? William asked, having lost his original train of thought. His companion cocked his head, encouraging him to go on. Right, thanks, my mistakes. Uh, number two, was it? His companion nodded. Let's see. My second mistake was letting her go after your abductor with Nash. Not that I regret saving you, William quickly added as his companion's face drooped, but what I wouldn't give to have seen Nash stuck in this boat in my stead. William chuckled at the thought, but his mirth was short-lived as he realized that it was still he adrift at sea, most likely miles away from the ship, the Lady Fairy. Third mistake was losing the second oar. Not that that really matters. Where am I supposed to row to? William took a short break from his rant to squint and shade his eyes with one hand, craning his neck to look in all directions for any sign of the ship or a deserted island, preferably one with fresh water. Hell, at this rate I'd even wish for a mermaid. He shifted, the hard wooden bench was becoming more and more uncomfortable with each passing moment. He sighed again before pulling in the single oar and draping it across his thighs. There's no use in exerting energy needlessly. <coughs> his companion agreed enthusiastically. William couldn't help but smile at Boatswain the Fifth, purebred Newfoundland dog and direct descendant of Boatswain I, Lord George Gordon Byron's original beloved pet. I suppose I should be grateful. I could have been stuck on this boat with Nash. That man would have talked my ear off with his nonstop chatter. All he does is complain. <coughs> Boatswain barked in agreement. At least the weather's holding up nicely, William said, perking up. I'm an internal optimist, you see. Ugh, old wives and heights baths, William cried out in shock as he undid his shirt to try to pull it over his head. Not that that would help to protect him. He was already soaked through. Boatswain, in turn, didn't seem bothered by the sudden change in weather and was looking around as though wondering where the reigning cats and dogs were to be found. He looked at William perplexed. Tis just an expression. Well, I did not ken things can get any worse. William looked down as he felt his shoes begin to fill with water. With horror, he realized that the small rowboat had begun to take on rainwater. 
When will I learn to keep my gobber shut? Chapter 2. The Lady Detective William hunkered down as the rain continued to pummel at his back. Boatswain, on the other hand, had fur so thick that the large canine hardly noticed he was getting wet. Initially, William had tried to scoop water out of the boat with his hands, but he quickly realized that the attempt was futile. Boatswain had even tried to help by lapping at the water, but as seawater had begun to slosh in over the sides, William had stopped the dog, not wanting him to get sick. They were now sinking a few centimeters every half hour, but William's anger was still at the forefront of his mind. He hadn't even had a chance to realize how dire their situation was. Instead, he thought back to yesterday evening and began to tell the dog about the start of his current plight. It's that blasted red dress's fault, he said, as he started at the beginning. Yesterday. So you see, William, it's an open shed case and some extra money for you, Eliza explained as she sat across William's desk, pouring them each a whiskey. She paused momentarily, then poured William a double. He eyed the glass suspiciously. Are you trying to get me drunk so I agree? But despite his words, he downed the glass in its entirety, then held out his hand for a refill. Eliza happily obliged. Of course not, she said, but the gleam in her eyes belied her words. With a chuckle, William set his glass down, having decided it would be safer to pace himself. Besides, it wasn't the whiskey that was going to assist him in giving her his assent. It was the fact that she had taken the time to wear his favorite red gown. You now have 20 men working for you. Why do you need me, William asked, genuinely curious. She had been faring well for the past few weeks at Nash and Sons. There was no reason for her to require outside assistance. Eliza shrugged and studiously looked at her nails. Eliza, William dragged her name out, wanting an answer. I miss working with you, she said in a rush. That's all. So, will you do it? Yes, William blurted. Yes? Eliza looked up and held his gaze, then flushed as she noticed his pupils dilate and his expression become very intense. Yes, I do. I mean, I will take this case with you. He raised his glass in a toast and began to drink. Excellent. She clapped her hands together, her face beaming with excitement. And it's not just me. Pardon? Patrick is joining us as well. William sputtered as he tried to swallow. <coughs> then what do you need me for? Oh, you know Patrick. He's more of a hindrance than a help. Besides, he's coming because the ship is stopping in France before making its way to Greece. He's not actually working the case. William shook his head, trying to make sense of the case. You said we were looking for a relative of an earl who was abducted? Yes. And they're going to be on the Lady Fairy? Correct. William narrowed his eyes. And how do you know this? It's called investigating, William. You should try it sometime. He arched an eyebrow. Eliza huffed. Very well. Moses found one of the abductors drunk at a pub, talking about their plans. He discovered that they are getting on the ship bright and early tomorrow morning. Why not just find the descendant and rescue him now? Eliza crossed her arms and glared at him. We tried that, but before Moses could question the man any further, he passed out. Our only option is to wait for them to take him on board and then rescue him. William thought that was one of the dumbest plans he had ever heard. But when Eliza smiled at him, 
her blue eyes bright with anticipation at solving the case, he softened up and nodded. Very well. But what are we to do once we rescue? Who are we rescuing again? Boatswain Byron the Fifth. Odd name, William commented. Upper class in their peculiar naming conventions. He muttered more to himself than Eliza. How old is the bloke? Three. Three? Eliza, this is a kidnapping, William asked, horrified. Why didn't they file a report? William scrambled, looking for a blank form on his desk. William, no, stop, Eliza said before he tore his desk apart. Eliza, a child is missing. No, not a child. Then what? William was breathing heavily, confused as to what was going on. A dog. It's a purebred Newfoundland dog. William froze. A dog, he repeated dumbly. Yes, a dog. Dog, as in woof. Yes, dog, as in woof. William, why are you having so much trouble understanding this? Eliza was growing exasperated with William's obtuseness. He's a direct descendant of Boatswain, Lord Byron's dog. Ralph King Millibank, second Earl of Lovelace, grandson of the Lord Byron, has hired us to recover him. Apparently, he's worth a small fortune. William blinked at her blankly. Eliza rose from her chair. Wonderful. Now that that's settled, Patrick and I will meet you on the dock at 6 a.m. sharp. Good evening, William. And with those parting words, she strode from his office as though it were just another ordinary day with another ordinary case. Chapter 3. The Lackadaisical Supervisor Remind me, why am I helping you two? I'm just along for the ride, Patrick said, as he watched William and Eliza opening trunks and crates in the Lady Fairy's storage hold. I hardly call that helping, William grumbled as he grunted to open yet another wooden crate. I am supervising, Patrick explained. <laughs> William sneezed loudly as duck feathers exploded out of the crate. And I have allergies, Patrick pointed out. I could die if I help. William looked up at him and glared, but the effect was somewhat diminished as his eyes had turned red and watery from the down. And that would be problematic, how? Now, boys, do stop fighting, Eliza said, which only caused to irritate William even more. Before he could retort, Eliza went on. I don't think Boatswain is in here. We would have heard him. Unless he's drugged, Patrick pointed out. Would they risk harming him with drugs, William asked, as he wiped at his forehead with the back of his arm. Eliza couldn't help but glance admiringly at him. He was thoroughly disheveled and his shirt was soaked through with sweat, clinging to his torso and accentuating every single muscle. Eliza, are you all right, William asked, when she hadn't answered. Uh, what? I said I don't think they'd risk drugging the dog. He's too valuable. I think you two should continue searching the hold, Patrick said. And where do you plan on searching, William asked. The dining room. With that, Patrick was gone before either could protest. Better off without him, William muttered. Eliza bit back a smile. Should we walk along the staterooms to see if anything is out of place? William nodded, too tired to care, and it wasn't as if he had any better ideas. Good man, Eliza said, patting him on the back. Her touch, though fleeting, sent a thrill through William, invigorating him. Shall we work our way up, he asked a renewed pep in his step as they exited the room. Yes. Two hours later. Remind me to never help you again, William said, as they circled along deck four, neither seeing nor hearing anything out of the ordinary. Actually, I take that back. This day will be forever burned into my mind. I won't need any reminders. It's not that bad, William, Eliza said, 
though she too looked tired, and William could tell that her feet were hurting. He was of a mind to scoop her up into his arms and place her on a lounge chair and lay beside her, when a man, hurrying towards them carrying a large tray, lost his balance and bumped into William. Apologies, sir! The tray clattered and nearly fell, but William caught it before it could hit the floor. No worries, William said, as he held the tray, then stared at the plate's contents in disbelief. The bell cover had been jostled, revealing a raw steak topped with raw minced meat. Off to the side was the smallest piece of broccoli William had ever seen. What the? New diet, the man explained, hastily covering the meal. It's packed with protein. I, I want to look like you. William eyed the short, dumpy man dubiously. I don't think that's genetically possible. No harm in trying. Excuse me. The man brushed past them and they watched as he headed to a room at the end of the hallway. He removed a key from his pocket and pushed his way inside, but not before they caught a glimpse of a large snout trying to nose its way outside. William, he's in there, Eliza said, grasping at William's arm. Aye, I can see that. How are we going to get him out? He's massive. Shame he's not a wee pug or the like. Could have hid that under my hat. Eliza couldn't help but snort at the thought of William wearing a dog on his head. I have an idea, Eliza said as she began to inch her way towards the stateroom door. Eliza, wait, William hissed at her. At least tell me what this plan is. Eliza didn't even turn around to glance at him. She kept her eyes on the door as she spoke. I'll knock on the door and tell them the ship is sinking. Then you'll grab Boatswain by the collar and drag him out. Easy. Easy, William muttered to himself. That's what you consider easy? But Eliza had stopped listening to him and was already at the door knocking on it. Yes? The same man who bumped into them opened the door. The ship, it's sinking, Eliza exclaimed frantically. You must hurry. We're all heading to the lifeboats. Eliza pointed down the hallway in the opposite direction of William, who had his back pressed against the wall. He was nearly close enough to reach Boatswain, who had once again tried to sneak outside to see what the commotion was about. Come on, doggy. I'm here to rescue you. The dog seemed to understand and knocked into his doorknapper's legs and obediently stood at William's side. Hey, what are you doing? That's my dog, the man cried out as William began to run down the hallway with Boatswain, though he had no idea where to take the dog next as they were already out at sea. No, he isn't. You're under arrest for dognapping, Eliza said, pulling out a pair of handcuffs from her purse. That stopped William short. Eliza, you have no authority to arrest anyone, William called out. I'm not hanging around for you two to sort this out, the man said, already waddling down the hallway trying to get away. Eliza sighed and began to speed walk to catch up to him, and she would have if Patrick hadn't been sauntering down the hallway towards them. What did I miss, he asked, as he took a bite of an apple. Ah, I see you got the one guy already. Patrick grabbed the man by the back of his collar and held him in place. It's still my arrest, Eliza said. Yes, yes, you'll get the extra finder's fee. But wasn't there an accomplice, Patrick asked. Run, Grimwald! The man in Patrick's custody shouted out to a tall, thin man who had just stuck his head out of the stateroom. He stopped mid-yawn, suddenly realizing what his partner was telling him. Shit! Grimwald began to run, past Eliza and Patrick, abandoning his partner. Oops, Patrick said as Eliza shot him a glare. You two, go after him. I'll watch Shorty, William said, returning to them with the dog as he realized there was nowhere for them to go anyway. Eliza tossed William her handcuffs and began to run, Patrick close at her heels. Right mess this is, William muttered as he began to cuff the man he had called Shorty. You're telling me, he grumbled. 
I have people in Greece queuing up in droves to breed that one. He inclined his head towards Boatswain, who had begun to drool on the hallway carpet. He's that valuable? His ancestor nearly survived having rabies, so yeah, good bloodline. William nodded and began to lead the man upstairs to the bridge to ask the captain where he should lock him up. No sooner had they stepped onto the outside deck, a huge wave hit the front of the ship, causing it to rise up to nearly vertical. Blimey, Shorty said in shock as they went sliding down the deck. William frantically tried to reach out to grab something, anything, to stop his descent. His fingers had just closed around a rope, but his relief was short-lived as Boatswain, scrambling for purchase on the slippery deck, slid past him, his eyes wide with fear. Damn it. William let go of the rope and let himself continue to fall, hoping somehow that he'd be able to rescue the dog. Chapter 4. The Canine Savior And there you have it, William concluded as he continued to shiver. The water was now up to his knees. You know the rest. Boatswain woofed. He did indeed know the rest. He had fallen over the side of the ship before it could right itself. William, watching the dog paddling in the waves, had quickly entered the nearest rowboat, yanked on the pulley's rope, and lowered it to the sea. He had managed to help Boatswain inside, but to his horror, the Lady Fairy was already sailing further and further away. Despite the growing distance, he had done his best to shout and wave with the oars, dropping one in the attempt, before he had given up. I wonder if Eliza even knows I'm missing. She always puts her cases first, William said sadly. Boatswain seemed to glare at him. All right, all right. I know that isn't completely true. She didn't abandon me when I had triggered that bomb. And she had saved my life when Frank tried to kill me. Yes, twice. I haven't forgotten. William looked forlorn. I should have told her how I felt. I'm such an idiot. Who cares if I have to eat raw eggs for breakfast for the rest of my life? Oi. William suddenly felt the chilling seawater reach his chest. Guess this is where we get off, he said as he began to tread water. Boatswain followed suit, doing the doggy paddle. An hour later. William was exhausted. He had been treading water but could now barely keep his head above the waves. He had tried floating, but the strength of the waves had knocked him about. Boatswain, sensitive to William's physical state, swam beside him and nudged his head beneath William's arm. Ugh, tis kind of you, doggy. But why don't you try to save yourself, William asked, licking at his dry lips. Boatswain gave him a look as if to say they were in this together, and there was still nowhere for him to go. Thank you, William said sincerely. If, if I don't make it and you survive this, tell Eliza I love her, eh? He closed his eyes and tried not to put his full weight on his canine friend. He didn't know how long he had fallen asleep for. He didn't think it was for that long before he heard a voice calling out his name. I'm hallucinating. I swear I hear a siren calling out my name, William said groggily. <coughs> Boatswain, William. Oh, I see them. Patrick, tell them to hurry. He could hear Eliza, her voice growing closer. Liza, William called out weakly. I'm coming. Hang on. He felt something hit the water beside him. William reached out for it. It was a life preserver. He slung one arm through it and still continued to hold on to Boatswain. The dog hadn't faltered once, though his eyes had turned red and his nose was crusty from the seawater. There was another splash. A rowboat was being lowered down. 
Patrick was directing a sailor towards William, while Eliza was leaning over the front of it, shouting at them to row faster. "'William, William, I'm here,' she said, once she was close enough to reach out for him. "'You're safe now.' Patrick and the sailor pulled him and Boatswain on board. "'You... you came back for me,' he said through chapped lips, as Eliza cradled his head on her lap. "'Of course I did. Don't you know? There's nothing more important to me than you.' "'Oh, that's lovely,' William said." Then he promptly blacked out with exhaustion. Chapter 5. The Bemused Client. The Next Day. I just had an interesting conversation with the Earl, Eliza said, as she sat across from William at his desk. Oh? William asked nonchalantly. What about? He said you had already sent word to him that in an unfortunate accident, Boatswain had been lost at sea. Did I now? William queried as he poured them each a double whiskey. Yes, you had, and I had to pretend that I knew what he was talking about. Eliza took a swallow. I only received my fee for finding the dog nappers. I lost the extra finder's fee for Boatswain, Eliza said accusingly. After her initial shock upon hearing from the Earl that William had already debriefed him via a long message that Boatswain had fallen overboard during the storm, Eliza had to admit she wasn't surprised to find out that William had decided to adopt the dog. Following their harrowing rescue from the tumultuous waves, the Lady Fairy had turned around to return to England. William had remained passed out for most of the journey, while Boatswain had refused to leave his side. It had made for a cute image, William laying in bed with Boatswain's head resting on his chest, his hand tangled in the dog's thick fur. As Eliza watched him sleep, she instinctively knew that parting the two of them would be incredibly difficult. So she was glad that William had found a way, albeit a rather deceptive one, to keep his canine savior by his side. Ugh, I'm sorry, William said, not sounding sorry at all. Eliza shrugged. He surprisingly wasn't as upset as I had been expecting. Apparently, Boatswain had done his duty and his, um lady dog friend is expecting so his line continues on <coughs> eliza snorted a laugh you can come out now boatswain the massive canine pushed past william's knees and stretched languidly once he was out from beneath the cramped desk he plodded over to eliza and rested his head on her lap enjoying her caress wish you would stroke me like that william muttered jealous of his dog eliza raised an eyebrow at him william quickly changed the topic I never got to thank you for saving me. I mean us, he added, as Boatswain opened an eye to look at him. William, Eliza said, turning serious, I know you think I prioritize my cases over you, and I will admit I do at times, but your life, she swallowed before continuing, your life is the most important thing to me, and I will never put anything before that, even my own life. You know that, don't you? She asked, leaning forward as though willing him to believe her. William held his hand out over his desk. Eliza placed her palm over his and felt his warmth transfer through to her as he closed his fingers over the back of her hand. I do know that, and you know I feel the same, right? I... But he cut himself off, still too afraid to confess his feelings to her. Eliza nodded. They stayed that way for a moment, Eliza waiting to see if he'd finish what he had started to say. Eventually, she realized he wasn't, so she withdrew her hand and with a final pat to Boatswain's head, rose from her chair. I'd best be going, she said, but still, she hesitated, 
her hand on the doorknob. William, was there something else you were going to tell me? Well, all's well now. What does it matter, he said, trying to sound nonchalant. It matters to me, Eliza said with a huff. Now's not the time. I'll tell you tomorrow. No, you won't. No, I won't. He grinned as he saw the disappointment on her face. I'll tell you on Friday, he said, deciding it was too risky to tease her for too long. What's on Friday, she asked curiously. Our weekly dinners at Gilbert's. Is it now? Yes. Very well, William. I will see you on Friday. And Boatswain. You're bringing your dog to dinner, she asked incredulously. Aye, I promised him a big steak. Eliza's laughter rang out as she walked down the hallway, her heart pounding in anticipation for what was to come. Well, that went well, William told Boatswain, who returned to his side. Boatswain gave a doggy grin and licked William's hand as though to encourage him. Don't worry, I do plan on telling her. I think she's as ready to hear it as I am to say it. And with a final pat on the head, William returned to the pile of cases that had been left on his desk while he had been out at sea. New York, 2023. Oliver Fitzroy stood beaming at the center of the Scarlet's living room. He looked at his audience expectantly as he lowered the spiral notebook he had been reading from. Eliza began to clap enthusiastically, her blue eyes shining brightly. Adam Steinwald began to follow suit, clapping slowly, unsure as to what was going on, but as he had been recently hit on the head in an attempted robbery, no one could blame him for his confusion. His girlfriend Amber began to hesitantly clap too, nearly dislodging Goliath, her Chinese crested from her lap. William Wellington, detective sergeant of the NYPD, on the other hand, did not clap. Instead, he narrowed his eyes at his private investigator girlfriend. Eliza, you do not mean to tell me that you set Fitzroy up to rewrite his fan fiction challenge story to convince me to get a Newfoundland dog, did you? Eliza shrugged a shoulder and grinned, perhaps. We are not getting a dog the size of a pony, William exclaimed. You, stop laughing, he said to Patrick, who was doubled over and was practically crying with mirth. <laughs> How is a story taking place in the 1800s supposed to convince me to get a dog? And why did you nearly have to have me killed? But you weren't. That was the point. Boatswain saved your life, Oliver explained, as he pat Bilbo on the head. Besides, you like Bilbo. But, but, William sputtered, that other dog is fictional. But he doesn't have to be, Eliza Counter argued, pressing herself against William's side. No dog. End of story, William said, trying to sound firm. But when he saw Bilbo's liquid gaze on him, he felt himself melting inside. No, no, no. But he wasn't sure if he was trying to convince the others or himself. Yay, we're getting a dog, Eliza exclaimed, knowing her boyfriend well enough to know that he had already relented. Now, as for names, everyone began to simultaneously shout out their ideas. Pee-wee, Duke, Spot, Bark Twain, Angus, Nana, Cerberus, Fuzzy. Is there a prize if they pick one of our names? Perhaps a meal cooked by Eliza? A resounding chorus of no's was the answer to Oliver's suggestion. William rubbed at his temples wearily, trying to shut out their friends' voices. For God's sakes, Eliza, will I ever get my way in this relationship? He muttered despondently. Eliza, ignoring the others, leaned forward to whisper in his ear. You will tonight. 
Really? he asked, perking up. Really? She kissed his cheek before sitting back down. And thank you, William. William chuckled. You're welcome. I kind of wanted the dog, too. I know, Eliza said as she stroked the hair at the nape of William's neck. How about Byron if it's a boy and Ada if it's a girl? William mulled that over. I like that. I know the reason behind Byron, but how is Ada related? Ada Lovelace was his daughter. The computer programmer? Yes. Huh, who knew? Okay. But the Hawaii vacation comes first, then the dog. That sounds perfect. William was about to kiss his girlfriend when he felt something wet on his feet. He looked down. Bilbo was sitting in front of him, drooling all over his toes. Wait till he sheds, Adam leaned over to tell William. And poops, Amber added. It'll be perfect, Eliza said jubilantly. Won't it just, William replied sardonically. And it was. Or it will be once I write more of their story. The end for now. Mm -hmm.